Asia. I had a few hours to kill before Pop's second meeting for the day was scheduled, so I figured I would shoot back over to my place and catch a few episodes of Mixology on Netflix. That was my show. Plus, I wasn't really feeling the homemade brunch that Pop cooked. The French toast was dry, the bagels were burnt, and the crepes looked soggy. I was craving some chipotle, so I whipped my midnight blue beamer down Haywood Road and got myself a to-go order. I was banging Troy Ave's new album as I pulled up into my apartment complex, where to my surprise, there was a U-Haul trailer backed up right to my front door. India! I hollered as I stormed through the front door. My cousin India had been staying with me for a long-ass time now, so when I saw a U-Haul truck, I couldn't help but be puzzled. What's going on? I asked as India finally came from her room, carrying a trash bag full of her clothes and heading for the truck. What does it look like is going on? I'm moving out, she said. I was as confused as I was shocked. I thought that India and I got along fine and I had no idea that there was an issue between us. I let her stay with me, rent free, borrow my clothes, use my laptop, and even took her out to eat every Friday night at Joe's Crab Shack. Why are you leaving? And where are you going? I asked, trying my best to understand the situation. You've changed, Asia. You ain't the same cousin I grew up with. It's like money is all you care about now. This shit is just too much for me. I can't fuck with this Asia 2.0 that you've turned into. Said India, as she carried more of her stuff onto the back of the U-Haul truck. India's words were hurting me to my heart. Our moms were sisters, and we were only one year apart, so we had been close our whole lives. We went to the same elementary school, the same junior high school, the same high school, and even went to the prom together. I couldn't count the amount of times we had slept in the same bed or even went half on four wings and some chicken fried rice when we were broke. India was supposed to be my day one, and here she was telling me that I had changed up. I guess I had changed. But I thought it was for the better. What was the point of getting rich? To stay the same? What type of sense did that make? Look, you tripping, cousin. I love you. We're family and we're better than this. Let's sit down and talk, I said, trying my best to defuse the situation. We're family, huh? Just like Maine is family too? If that's how you treat family, I guess she'd be real scared of you, barked India, shaking her head. That was a low blow. One thing that me and India never brought up was the situation with Maine, Baby J, and myself. As far as I was concerned, that was a closed chapter in my life. Instantly, I went from trying to be understanding to India to defending myself. Look, I can't change what happened. I did what I had to do. Keep it real. Maine's ass would have been locked up or dead by now anyway, even if I had never put him onto that lick. He's been in and out of jail since before we graduated. He's a natural-born fuck-up. Life is one big game of chess. Some niggas are pawns, and some bitches are queens, I explained. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You're so fucking cold-hearted now. What am I? Damn sure can't be no queen. You took my check cash and scam and ran with it. Now, I don't even see a dime from my own hustle. You gave me two fucking racks, Asia. Shit, you you making that every week easily. And what do I get? To live in Queen's Palace for free? I guess I was just another pawn, huh? So that's what this is about? Money? I asked. India stopped dead in her tracks. 
That's your problem. You think every fucking thing is about money. That's all you care about. You only fuck with niggas who got money. You only associate with bitches who getting money. You only wear clothes that cost a certain amount of money. Nobody's ever on your level, according to you. Newsflash, Asia. If you lose all the money you getting, you just a regular dirty bitch from the projects just like me. Said India. Nah, bitch. I can never be like you. I'm a fucking hustler. I got a heart unlike you. You got all the ideas, but you're scared to do it big like me. Now you mad because I took a hustle you showed me and did it better than you ever dreamed of? You scary, and I'm a boss bitch, I replied. I could see India's heart sink in her throat. Maybe I had gone too far, but she needed to hear what I was saying because it was the absolute truth. You know what? Let me just get the rest of my shit and get out of here before I say something I'm going to regret, said India. India broke eye contact with me and went to gather the rest of her things. I watched as she carried out every item from her closet, but I refused to lift a finger or say another word. I just cut on my Netflix and devoured my Chipotle. I couldn't believe how ungrateful India was after all I had done for her. If it wasn't for me, she would still be living in New York, waiting on her EBT checks and finding smokers to go cash $900 checks once a month. I had showed her a whole new life down in South Carolina. She had some nerve, but if she wanted to leave, that was her choice. One less mouth to feed meant more money in my pocket. I wouldn't have to worry about her borrowing my car every day and bringing it back with the gas tank on E. I damn sure wouldn't miss her fat ass eating six times a day and leaving dirty dishes in the sink. Fuck her. India finally came out of the room with the last of her things, but one box she was carrying caught my eye. It was an all-black box with the classic LV logo on it, which stood for Louis Vuitton. India and I both knew that she didn't own a pair of Louis Vuitton shoes. She was a Steve Madden type bitch at best. Between the two of us, I was the only five-letter bitch. Gucci, Louis, Prada, Fendi. That was my style, not hers. Where you think you're going with those? I asked, pointing at my shoebox. What are you talking about? You gave me these last months. Don't be petty, Asia. It's not a good quality at all. Barked back India. Shit, call me Petty LaBelle, Petty Pendergrass, Tyler Petty. I ain't give you shit. I said you could borrow them. Now go put them back, I said, as I pointed and waved my hand in the direction of my bedroom. Really? Bitch, who the fuck do you think you talking to? All this money done made you forget one crucial thing. I will beat the shit out of you, Asia, said India. Truthfully, India wasn't lying about that. I had probably fought her ass over a dozen times growing up over little simple shit. But each time, the end result was always the same. She had thoroughly kicked my ass every time. I had never even come close to beating her. Not even once. India had always been a little pudgy. So she had a weight advantage on me. Besides that, she hit hard as a motherfucker and really knew how to box like a nigga. I really wasn't trying to fight her, but I wasn't no scary broad. Put my damn shoes back. You look stupid in them anyway with your fat ass feet, I said, doing my best to insult her. Guess what? I'm keeping these fucking shoes... You can go buy 10 more pair tomorrow anyways, Miss Moneybags. 
It wasn't about the money though. It was about the principle. That's what India didn't realize. On top of that, I was in my feelings. You ain't taking my shoes, I said, as I hopped up and got right directly into India's face. That proved to be a mistake. India pushed me so hard that I went flying across the room and landed on the couch. Then she came charging at me with a head down and shoulder reared up like a rhinoceros. She plowed into me like she was a middle linebacker, pinning me down onto the couch. I could hardly move as India ran punch after punch down on top of my head. I was too attracted to take a beating to my face, so I did my best to cover up instead of trying to trade punches. She pummeled me with punches until her hands got tired, then got up and kicked me for making her hands tired. Like I said, I'm taking the shoes, Asia, she said as she grabbed the box and headed for the U-Haul once again. No, bitch, you ain't, I said. India didn't know it, but I stashed a loaded gun underneath the couch. It was only a little thirty-eight, but I kept it there for emergencies. I reached under the couch and picked up the burner, aiming it right at India. For a second, neither one of us said anything. We were both kind of shocked that it had come to this. Really? You gonna pull a gun out on me? Over some damn shoes? And you don't think you've changed, Asia? Said India. India was still talking shit, but she dropped that shoebox like it was hot. I wiped off a trickle of blood that was coming from my bottom lip and watched India walk out the front door for the last time. No one was going to disrespect me, especially not in my own home. Maybe I'll make a stop at the New York City Police Department when I get back home. I got some information about the murder of Baby J that they might find quite interesting. Said India as she shut the door on the U-Haul truck and pulled off. As if I didn't have enough going on with Pop and the Gallardo gang. Now I had to worry about some shit that I had done two years ago coming back to haunt me. And there was no statute of limitations on being an accessory to murder. Damn, my own cousin was really threatening to dime me out. I should have shot her fat ass. Dominic, this is exactly what I was afraid of. It was 6 p.m. on the dot and I was the only one who had made it back to Pop's house on time for the meeting. And it was one of the biggest events of our lives. And these people didn't even have the decency to be punctual. I could already see that the differences in our backgrounds were going to cause plenty of issues. I was obviously going to have to deal with all types of niggerance, which I hated. But for the money Pop was talking about, I would just have to deal with it. When I was a regular working man, I thought that a few hundred thousand dollars was rich. Now that I actually had that type of money, I realized that it wasn't even a lot. The funny thing about making money, all it makes you do is want to make more and more money. It's like a sweet addiction, and I was a fully strung out addict. Finally, at 6.20, Asia strolled to behind in the pop's house. Sorry, I'm late. Are you all right? You look like you've been in a street fight. Hush, Urkel. Urkel, that's an insult. I... The both of you, be quiet. If you're going to work together, you have to get along. And if you don't get along, at least act like you do. I bit my tongue and remained silent, instead choosing to scroll through my phone and check on some of my stocks. After another ten minutes, Kev and Fox strolled in together. My bad, we got stuck in traffic, Pop. Bullshit! Look at how she walking. Bitches only limp like that right after they get piped down properly. Kev and Fox just giggled and took their seats. Pop got right down to business, which was one of the things that I always liked about him. Our first job is going to take place right here in South Carolina. 
We will be taking down a truck delivering a shipment of jewelry to a local merchant. The shipment has diamonds, rings, watches, bracelets, and just about anything else you can imagine. The take is $7 million, but the street value is more like 5 $1 million for each of you, and one for me. Pop was getting a million just to orchestrate everything, but he had paid the cost to be the boss. Dominic, since you have a commercial driver's license, you're the driver for this operation. Wait, so Dom getting a million just to drive? Kev, everyone in the Gallardo gang has strengths and weaknesses. Each man's job is as important as the next. The plan is set up according to that. If you don't agree, I can cut you out altogether. My bad. Let that be the last time you question my decision-making skills. Pop kept us up all night going over every excruciating detail to his plan. He talked about every possible reaction and the contingency plan for that reaction followed with the counter-reaction for that situation. He broke out flow charts, maps, and graphs to drill his point home. We finished up at 3 a.m., but by the time we left Pop's house, we all knew exactly what was expected of us. It wasn't going to be easy, but if we pulled off this heist, our lives would be changed forever. The plan was simple enough for a fool to understand, but so complex that a genius would appreciate it. The bottom line was that if everyone did their job, after all the jewelry was sold off, Pop would have a million dollars in cold, hard cash waiting for each of us. On the downside, if someone failed to perform their job correctly, the consequences could be fatal. The drivers of the jewelry truck that we were hijacking were going to be heavily armed, and they were trained to shoot first and ask questions later. However, if all went well, there would be no casualties, and we would all become instant millionaires. I really, really like the sound of that.